Well, good morning. So good to be with you. I had to travel in from Uxbridge this morning, so I had to leave at 6.30. But the roads are not bad on a Sunday morning, so that's fantastic. Family Matters is the title of this morning's message and Fostering Faith Formation. One of the surprising findings in the EFC 2023 Parenting Faith Report that was published last year is that parents who rarely attend church are more confident about nurturing their children's faith than parents who regularly attend church. Yes, you heard correctly. You don't need another cup of coffee. Parents who attend church sporadically are more likely to believe they're doing a good job fostering their children's faith than those who come most of the time. Now, how is this possible? Psychology helps us understand this anomaly. A theory called the Dunning-Kroger effect postulates, and I quote, those who lack knowledge or skill in certain areas tend to overestimate their competence, and conversely, those who do have skill and knowledge tend to underestimate their competence. Here's another fascinating finding. In the 2021 Multinational Children's Ministry Report, many children's ministry pastors and those who work full-time with children say that most parents don't know how to nurture their children's faith. They also say that most parents expect the church to cultivate their children's faith even when parents know it should be their priority, it's low on their priority scale. Is this true? Have Christian parents abdicated their duty to nurture their children's faith? Have church leaders fostered a leave-it-to-the-expert mentality and usurped the parents' role? Or perhaps has a consumer culture blinded us to our God-ordained responsibilities. Well, this morning we're going to turn to God's Word for some answers. So I'd ask you please to go to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 to 9. I think we have a few slides ahead, so if you could go back two slides, I think. Whoever's working the slides, there we go. Thank you. I'm going to ask you, this is God's precious word, when we honor someone, we stand. Why don't you stand with me as I read from Deuteronomy chapter 6. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you're crossing the Jordan to possess so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all His decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, 
and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of our ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Amen. Please be seated. Father God, we thank you for your precious word this morning. And Lord, as we continue, we recognize that what I'll be saying is commentary and that we've just read the most important part of what you have to say to us this morning. But even as we continue, we ask you to speak, Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. <laughs> I need that water that's just down there, please. Thank you. Deuteronomy 6 starts a new beginning for a whole generation of people. As Moses begins to speak, I picture the people hanging on every word. These are the words that form the nation of Israel and guide it for generations to come. And they're no less essential for us today. For these are, if you like, God's blueprint for passing the faith from one generation to the next. Fast forward to today. As you sit here this morning, I just want you to think about your children, your grandchildren, maybe for some of you, your great-grandchildren. <laughs> what are their names? Picture where they live. What might they be doing right now? Maybe if you're like me and you've got a whole lot of children, picture just one. Narrow it down to one name. Sorry, I've had a cold and there's a bad sticky bit in the back of my throat. Let's try this. I Hopefully I don't crunch it while we while we're moving along. Think of one name. Hold on to that one name. Picture the face of that person. What they might be doing now. Where they might be. Share that name with somebody sitting alongside you. Just share the name. Different generations. 
My family, I love genealogical research, goes way back. All the way back to a guy called Adam. I'm pleased you smiled. My wife tells me my dad jokes are getting worse. <laughs> I guess if yours does as well, we're relatives. Isn't that good? But we're not here for a family reunion. I want to dig into this text with you. And the first thing I see is this, is that faith formation involves everyone. Faith formation involves everyone. The context of Deuteronomy 6 are three words which I often missed. Hear, O Israel. Hear, O Israel. Don't skip over these three words. This message is for a whole nation and people, not just a targeted segment. It's for the whole faith community. Reaching and equipping successive generations to love and live for Jesus involves everyone. No exceptions. It includes youth with, senior, with younger siblings and young adults at university and empty nesters and senior citizens and the pastors and leaders uh, here in your church. Everyone has a part to play. Everyone. God never intended children's faith formation to be the sole responsibility of parents and grandparents. We're in it together. It's not somebody else's job to connect children with Jesus and his story. God needs you and you and you and you and you. We're in it together. I'm wondering as I say that, how connected are you with the children in your church? As you sit here, are there some children that you especially know by name, especially seek out and connect with week by week? According to the evangelical Christian polling firm, the Barner Group, children are three times more likely to read the Bible independently, obey the Scriptures, and rank church attendance as the high point of the week when they have meaningful relationships with one or more adults in their church. Wow. It's not programs <coughs> that change children's lives. It's people. Everyone has a part to play. Everyone. Second thing that I see in the text is that faith formation starts with me. So it involves everyone, firstly. Secondly, it starts with me. The object of the Deuteronomy passage is our hearts. Verses 5 and 6 say, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. 
highlight, if you've got uh, this on your phone or if you've got a, a printed Bible, underline it or highlight it, uh, that little phrase, with all your heart. The biblical definition of the heart is the totality of our being. It's more than our emotions. It includes our thoughts, our desires, our affections, imaginations, our reasoning powers, and our intentions. To love the Lord your God is to love Him with your emotions, your intellect, and your will, with your entirety. I like how Eugene Peterson paraphrases these verses in the message, and I quote, write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you, and then get them inside of your children. If God's word isn't branded on my heart, there's no way I can impress it on my child's heart. But when my faith is authentic, it endorses what I teach my children and grandchildren. Listen up, mums and dads. The best gift you can give your children is your love for Jesus. Do you have your phones with you today? I know we often say turn them off, but please take your phones out. I want you to grab your phone. And I want you to send a message to yourself. Or if you don't know how to send one to yourself, send it to your spouse. It's always good to tell your spouse what to do. My wife told me a few times on the way here. <laughs> you didn't hear her say I was speeding, did you? This is what I want you to send to yourself. The best gift I can give my, and then you put the name of your son or daughter or grandchild in there, the best gift I can give my is my love for Jesus. Send that message to yourself. The best gift I can give Jonathan is my love for Jesus. The best gift I can give Katie is my love for Jesus. I want you to receive that. I'm a visual learner, so if I get that text to myself later, it reinforces what is so vital for you to take home with you today. So faith formation involves everyone. Secondly, it starts with me. And thirdly, faith formation is a journey. Outworking of the Deuteronomy passage is a process. Deuteronomy verse 6 and verse 7 says, Impress them, speaking about the scriptures, impress them on your children. I like the way the New Living Testament uh, translates that. It says, Repeat them again and again to your children. Again and again. Faith formation isn't a one-off 
exercise, nor can it be compartmentalized. Faith formation is a 24-7 undertaking. It's ongoing. My youngest son, who's preaching in Uxbridge Free Methodist Church this morning, uh, will soon be in his 30s, and his older siblings will soon be in their 40s. My three children and their tremendous spouses, as Pastor already said, have blessed us with 11 grandchildren. My wife and I are almost empty nesters. I say almost because for the past 28 years, my mother-in-law has lived with us. She's 95 now. Uh, so we still sort of have one at home. <laughs> but our God-given responsibility to foster our children's faith formation didn't end when they moved out of the home. Karen and I are obligated to equip and encourage our children to follow Jesus for the rest of our lives. There is no retirement from passing on our faith to our children. We do it naturally and normally whenever and wherever possible. And I love the way Moses describes the process. He uses opposites, sitting and walking, lying down and getting up to indicate that any time is suitable for talking about the Lord. Fostering faith formation shouldn't be complicated. There are three simple things we can all do. Number one, talk about Jesus and his word in the home. Even the busiest of families sit down to eat together. And research indicates that when family eat, families eat together at least five times a week, they build strong, enduring bonds. Prioritizing table time nourishes our children's faith and spiritual growth. The kitchen table, certainly in our home, is where we connect with God's Word interactively and experientially. And as my children will tell you, it's where we grapple to understand and develop a biblical worldview that we could stand by and live by. So that's number one, talk about Jesus' word in the home. Number two, talk about Jesus' word in the car. Now, unless you've got the new advanced version of the Bible, it doesn't say in the car. It says, while you walk along the road. How many walk to church this morning? Now, you see, we, we go in cars, right? So think of it as going in the car. I love having my kids in the car. They're a captive audience. Oh, there goes dad again, speaking about God's word. Well, you can get out. I know we're doing 70 kilometers an hour, but feel free. Another dad joke, forgive me. Use your trips to speak to your children 
share with them what God is teaching you. Ask questions. Debate issues. Pray together. If you're driving, don't close your eyes at the prayer time, right? But use the vehicle. I found we've had wonderful intimate times talking about Jesus and his word uh, in, go, in the car. Thirdly, talk about Jesus and his word in the bedroom. Before we go to bed or get up in the morning, a great times for reflection and contemplation. Family ministry specialist Phil Bell says, and I quote, for the most part, children just seem to be more spiritually sensitive and a lot more open at bedtime. Uh, researchers also tell us that there are nine minutes in the day that are crucial for connecting with children. The first three minutes when they wake up, so again we're in the bedroom, the first three minutes when they get back from school, and the three minutes before they go to sleep at night. So six minutes of the most crucial times for making connections, according to the experts, happen in the bedroom. You see, fostering faith formation isn't complicated. We must keep our eyes open for what my wife often speaks about, teachable moments, and bring faith into everyday life. Fourthly, faith formation is deliberate. The requirement of the Deuteronomy passage is intentionality. Deuteronomy verse 6, verses 8 and 9 say, Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now, devout Jewish people take that text literally. They bind what's called a phylactery on their forehead. It's got a little box, and inside that little box is the Shema, that we read a little bit earlier in the passage, Hero Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And they put a mezuzah on the frame of their door where you would go into the house. And again, the Shema is inside there. Now, I don't think God necessarily meant for us to take those verses literally, but He does want us as families to have practices and priorities that deliberately keep Jesus and his word at the forefront of our everyday activities. So just pause and think a little bit with me here. What are the practices and priorities in your home for impressing the scriptures on your children? I like what the Catholic author, Life Kerwold, says. He speaks about family life as a revolving around ritual, routine, and rhythm. Healthy families need ritual, routine, and rhythm. And his view reminds us that a child's faith formation requires a structured environment. Creating a structured environment in the home is essential. If there's disorder in the home, children are focused on survival 
but with order in the home, children are more likely to reflect on their feelings and identity, which are critical factors in faith formation. So don't compartmentalize faith formation from daily living. Create intentional moments and traditions and experiences that integrate Jesus and His Word into your family's everyday lives. Before we conclude, here are three practical implications that I, I think are embedded in the text. Number one, God wants parents to take the primary role in fostering their children's faith formation. Here's some research that I found very, very fascinating. The average North American child who is in a Christian family attends church 1.7 times a month. Add that up with your average program being about an hour long for children. The average church in North America sees the average Christian child for 24 hours in the year. One day. Obviously, a church cannot disciple a child and form a child's faith, help nurture a child's faith, with one day a year. On the other hand, the average parent has 3,000 hours a day of direct contact with their child. It's a higher number when the child is young and it decreases as a child grows older. 3,000 hours compared to 24 hours. Who has God put in place to be the primary provider for fostering a child's faith? Obviously, it's the parent. Secondly, God wants the community of faith, the local church, to take a secondary supportive role in fostering the child's faith. The research I've just given you makes sense of that statement. All that to say, thirdly, that God wants us to foster faith formation so that we, our children and grandchildren, will respect and love the Lord as long as we live. Was it the Miller family who came up? Miller family, thank you for reminding us of those generations. That's what God wants of us. Are you hearing God's word? It's not enough to hear, you must listen. To listen is to act on what you've heard. And so my question to you is this, what do you need to act on? What has the Holy Spirit impressed on your heart and mind this morning? Is there one thing you will do when you leave here today? What is it? Don't miss the opportunity to pursue what God prioritizes. 
Don't miss out on the wonderful gift of giving yourself for the good of others. Successive generations need you to tell and teach them about the phenomenal works and wonders of the Lord. So I stand here today, but I carry this burden every day. I'm very sad. This generation of Canadian children is more disconnected from Jesus, His Word, and the church than any previous generation in the history of our nation. Don't keep the Lord to yourselves. Don't hinder the little children from coming to Jesus. Generation Alpha, that's the children that started being born in 2010 and at the end of this year, it's the end of Generation Alpha, we'll start a new generation. They need you to connect them with Jesus and His Word. About 91% of Generation Alpha have had no contact at all, talking Canadian children, with the Lord. 91%. Tell them about him. Turn to the person next to you and say, a child needs you to help them grow up with Jesus. There's a child who needs you. There's a child who needs me. Don't insulate or isolate yourself from God's purpose for our lives. What was the name of that younger family member that I asked you to think about earlier? Just pull that name back to mind, the one you shared with the person sitting alongside you. I believe the Spirit of God especially gave you that name this morning. Each one should reach one. What does God want you to do when you go on from here with that name? God wants us to tell the next generation the stories about what He's done in our lives, to answer questions of faith, and to live a life of faith. Fostering the faith formation of the next generation matters. In the power of the Holy Spirit, let's bring the little children to Jesus. Amen. Amen. Father God, we thank you for your word to us this morning. And Lord, we receive it from you. We pray for this generation of children and youth. Pray for ourselves that you would use us to reach them. Pray for the children and youth here in West Highland. Lord, hear our prayer for them. And help us to be faithful parents and grandparents and great-grandparents and uncles and aunts 
And even if we've not had children, we recognize this is for all of us, single adults. Each one of us has a part to play. Help us, Lord, to impress the Scriptures on the children. Hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. As we close uh, the service, just want to remind each one of you that it, you know, the family is God's idea. God loves you. It says in His Word that in His love, He predestined you to be adopted as His son or His daughter. And so may your heart just be welled up with love for your Heavenly Father. And may you count it a privilege then to whatever your family looks like, whatever the young people in your life around you that God has put in your life, that you would have the joy of passing on His love to the next generation. And may it be a blessing to you and your family as you do so. Amen.